seated. Take your copy of God's Word, please. Returning to Acts chapter 2. As you came in today, you should have found some uh, sermon guides laying on your pew. If there wasn't one, there should be one in the pew in front of you or behind you. If that's a help to you, please feel free to use those. It also gives you the references as we're going through. Acts chapter 2. Tony Evans tells a story about a woman who was given a free trip to Europe. And on the flight overseas, one of the flight's airline attendants became ill and couldn't serve the passengers. And the flight was packed. The crew was desperately trying to serve everyone. And so the woman got up from her seat and went to the head of the flight crew. And she volunteered to help serve the meal. And here's what that lady said. She said, I'm so happy and grateful to have this free trip to Europe that I don't mind serving on the way over. You know, the message is clear to those of us who know Jesus Christ. Our salvation, our trip to heaven is free. It's paid in full by the blood of the Lord Jesus. But in gratitude for what God has done for us, what God has given to us, we ought not mind serving at all. Serving on the way over. Today we are thinking about church matters again. We've been taking for quite a while now and going back to God's word and looking at what he says about the church and and what is a church and what does the church do and, and all those things. And right now we're looking at that theme of what does the church do, the functions of a church. And today we're looking at the idea of service. The church serves. Now, as Christians, we serve not to be saved. We serve because we are saved. The Bible is very clear in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We often quote those. We're going to add on verse number 10. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're not serving so that we can become saved. That doesn't work. No man's saved by serving or working or being good. We're saved by grace through faith. We serve because we are saved. We serve out of gratitude and out of love and out of compassion. We're servants. We serve God as we serve other people. So you should have Acts chapter 2 now. We've been looking at the early church here. The church is born on the day of Pentecost, chapter 2 of Acts. And we find it talks about what they've been doing. And we'll pick up our reading there in verse uh, 42. The Bible says that they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now notice especially today, verses 44 and 45. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Put your finger there, and turn over to chapter 4. Same book, Acts chapter 4. And we just read that they were together and they sold possessions and they gave to those in need. Now find chapter 4, verse 32. Looking at the early church here, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. The Bible says there, Now the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. 
Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Verse 34 says, nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who also was named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. So when you think of Barnabas, you think of encouragement. We all need some Barnabases in our life, don't we? He was a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet. Now, beloved, I can say very safely today that the members of the early church were serious about ministering to one another. They were serious about serving one another. Now turn back to chapter 2 again. I want to look at those two verses a little bit more. Verses 44 and 45. The Bible says, Now all who believed were together, had all things in common, sold their possessions of goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now what's going on here in these verses? What's going on in this passage? Well, we need to talk about, first of all, what this isn't saying, and then we'll look at what it is saying. First of all, I want you to know that this was not a commune. This was not a commune. This passage, I think, is very clear here. The numbers of believers at this time was obviously too great for them all to be together and live in a communal existence. If you back up to verse 41, it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Then if you drop down to verse 47, the Bible says at the end of that verse, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So you have 3,000 plus people. The, the number is growing each and every day. Obviously, this is not a commune that's being talked about here. They still owned houses. If you look at verse 46, So continuing daily with one accord of the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity You see, this was not a commune. A commune is not God's design for the basic social unit. The family is. That's why family is so important. It's the basic social unit that God has put in place. So this was not a commune. Now, some will look at this passage and say, you know what? This is communism. This is communism. Well, I want to say today, this is not communism, nor is it socialism. You know, the difference, communism means no one owns any property. You don't own any property in communism. Socialism says, well, listen, you can own property, but we'll tell you what to do with it. This was not communism. This was not socialism. Some want to make it out to be, but it wasn't. If you go back and look at the Greek, what what we have translated here for us in English was originally in Greek. According to John MacArthur, the Greek tense of the verbs are in the imperfect tense. That means it's continuous past action. That means they did not at any point sell everything and put everything in a common pot. This is not communism. You know why as well? Because it was not uh, compulsory. They were not required to do this. They were not made to do this. Nobody said to them, listen, you have to sell everything. You have to bring the money. You have to do this. You say, well, how do you know that, preacher? You weren't there. Well, we learned that if you turn to chapter 5, 
chapter 5, we learn this was not compulsory. Now remember, we just read that the son of encouragement, Barnabas, he sold some property. He brought the proceeds, laid them at the apostles' feet. Now in chapter 5, we have some more property being sold by a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. A really sad story, in fact, but we'll just read a couple of verses here. Acts chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid at the apostles' feet. Now I want you to notice what Peter says to me, verse number 3. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now, notice verse four. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. Here's what he's saying. Ananias, that's your property. Before you sold it, it was your property. After you sold it, it was your property. You, it was up to you what you did with it. But here's what Ananias and Sapphira did. They made it out to look like, hey, we gave it all. When in reality, they didn't give it all. They were lying, not to men, but what? To the, who? the Holy Spirit. And if you keep on reading, by the way, Ananias is struck dead right there. And then a little while later, his wife comes in and Peter asks her about the thing. And guess what? She struck dead, too. So you have two falling dead in the early church. This was not compulsory. It was up to them. As God led them, as God directed them, if they chose to, they could sell their property and give the proceeds to help those in need. This is not communism. This is not a commune. This is not socialism. It's not compulsory. So here's the question. What's going on here then? Well, beloved, these early believers so loved the Lord, they so loved one another, that they were willing, as needs presented themselves, they were willing to sell their possessions, houses, lands, whatever, and give those monies to help those in need. This was not communism. This was compassion. Beloved, this was Christian love and compassion in action. And it probably went beyond even the church members. They no doubt, as, as Jesus taught, they loved their neighbors as themselves. And, and I believe they reached out to saved and, and those who were not saved. Maybe that's why it says in verse 47, these words, where it says they had favor with all the people. Because perhaps they were out helping all those who were in need, or as many as they could. You see, the church serves. The church ministers. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. That is all people. And then it says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The Bible is clear that we're to be servants. I'm so thankful that we see that in operation here at Red Hill. We see the church serving. We see if someone's in need, the church reaches out and ministers and helps in spiritual ways, in practical ways, in, in ways that help those people. In fact, 1 John three sixteen through 18, some words we need to take to heart. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? 
My little children, listen, let us not love in word and tongue, but in deed and truth. See, the early church didn't just talk about serving, they served. You ever heard the saying, talk is cheap? We can talk all day long. Oh, we love everybody. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet, do we act upon that love? Do we show that love? See, the early church didn't just talk about serving. They served. They ministered to one another. Notice their service. Notice, first of all, it was selfless. Their service was selfless. It says there, now all who were believed were together, had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. It was selfless. It was not the idea, what's best for me? What's best for my family? What's best for my interest? No, it was how can I serve somebody else in the name of Jesus? Their service was selfless, but it was also sacrificial. It was sacrificial. They were willing to give up their belongings. And by the way, as they gave up their belongings, they gave up much of their supposed security, right? I mean, because if you start selling off houses and lands and and possessions and I mean, uh, you get rid of some of your security, right? They were willing to sacrifice. It was selfless service. It was sacrificial service. But you know what? This service also followed the example of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to hear a verse. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Bible says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You ever thought about here he is, the king of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet he willingly, voluntarily stepped out of heaven, came here. Was born as a babe, perfect God, perfect man, joined in the flesh to a poor bunch of teenagers, really, Mary and Joseph. Grew up and didn't grow up in the palace. He grew up humble means. Later, he would talk about the fact that the Son of Man had not where to lay his head. His life was about service, service, service. Luke 22, 24 through 20, uh, 27 says this. Now, there was also a dispute among them to which of them should consider to be the greatest. We like to think about that, too. How could we be the greatest? And he, Jesus, said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are also called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Listen to what Jesus says. Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as one who serves. Jesus says you want to be great in this world is to be a servant. You want to be like Jesus, be a servant. If we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to be servants. And this kind of service is selfless. It's sacrificial. It's like the Savior. And you say, where does that kind of service come from? It comes from a heart of love. We love Him. And because we love Him, we love others. We want to serve others. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do ministry. You see... What you do should be out of a heart of love, love for God, love for others. God loved us. We love him. Therefore, we love others. Now, Christian, listen, I want to get real personal for a moment. 
real personal. Don't answer out loud, but I want to ask you a question. Are you a servant? Are you a servant? Now, a lot of people today are looking for servants. That is, people to serve them. But I'm asking, are you a servant? Are you a servant? There's a clever young fellow named somebody else. There's nothing this fellow can't do. He's busy from morning till late at night, just substituting for you. When asked to do this or asked to do that, so often you're ready to reply, get somebody else, Mr. Chairman. He'll do it much better than I. There's so much to do in our church, so much, and workers are few. And somebody else gets weary and worn just substituting for you. So next time you're asked to do something worthwhile, come up with this honest reply. If somebody else can give time and support, it's obviously true, so can I. Somebody else. You say, well, I meant the church should serve. Amen. But don't look to me to serve. Wait a minute. Aren't you part of the church? What does the church do? It serves. It ministers. That's obvious, beloved. You can't do everything. Nobody can. You can't do everything, but you ought to do something. Let me say that again. You can't do everything, but you ought to do something. You see, the church, the body of Christ, needs every member filling their role, playing their part. One of my jobs as the pastor here is to help get you ready for the service of ministry. Listen to what Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. See, you're, you're not just saved to, to sit soaking sour like an old pickle in a jar. You're saved to serve. God has given you spiritual gifts that he wants you to use. Now, I want to ask, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know what it is that God wants you to do? Are you using your spiritual gifts? Do you have a ministry here? If you're a part of Red Hill Baptist, so we have guests here today, but if you're a part of this local church, Where do you serve? How do you serve the body here? What is it that you're doing? Are you a servant? Let me ask you a question that's really a tough one. What kind of church? I want you to ask yourself this. What kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me? Now you ask yourself that question. What kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me? If everyone served like you served. If everyone gave like you gave, if everybody came like you came, they worked like you worked, they prayed like you prayed, they witnessed like you witnessed, what kind of church would we have at Red Hill Baptist Church? You know, I've been seeing lately in the newspaper that there's a church and a parsonage for sale over, I think, in Rockingham. Maybe you've seen that as well. If every member were like you, But we have to put an ad in the paper like that. Say, listen, there's a church and a parsonage and property and a bus and everything else for sale over Red Hill. What kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me? We need all of our members to be active here, to be involved. You say, what about those who can't? Health-wise, you can still be involved. You can have one of the greatest ministries in the world. You can pray. You can pray. What kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me? Be honest in answering that. 
And as God brings some things to your mind, what needs to change today? What needs to happen in your life? I got to remind you again, this is not this is not our church. This is Jesus's church. This is not about our glory. This is about God's glory. This is not our idea. This is God's idea. This belongs to him. So I ask you again, are you a servant? You see, the church serves. And the church is not just some imaginary. It's it's us. And and if the church is going to serve, then then we've got to be servants. We've got to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this place. What does the church do? It serves, it ministers. Are you a servant? You know, as I was preparing and planning our worship today, I was looking at hymns and I ran across a hymn that I thought summarized what we've been trying to say today. And, and I want to sing it. If you want to follow along the words of 613. And it's very fit. The title is the servant song. The servant song. And as I sing it, I want you to think about your own life. I want you to think about the place that we have here. If you're a part of Red Hill Baptist Church, I want you to think about those who have served you and hopefully those whom you're serving and will serve. Just as we had earlier today, the dedication of Evan, we're here to serve them. That's what we're here to do. You know, my marriage is about serving my wife. My pairing is about serving my children. My pastoring is about serving you. Ultimately, as I do that, I'm serving God. You can read along as I sing the servant song, 613. We are travelers on a journey, fellow pilgrims on the road. We are here to each other walk the mile and bear the load I will hold the Christ life for you in the night time of your fear I will hold my hand out to you speak the peace you long to Sister, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. Brother, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I might have the grace to let you be my servant too. I will weep when you are weeping, when you laugh, I'll laugh with you. I will share your joy and sorrow till we've seen this journey through. When we sing to God in heaven, we shall find such harmony. 
born of all we've known together of Christ's love and agony. I want you to bow your heads as she keeps playing. What is God the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Do you even know Jesus? Is He your Savior and Lord? If not, why don't you come to Jesus today? Turn from your sin and place your faith in Him alone. Then you say, well, preacher, I know I'm saved. But as you've been talking today, God the Holy Spirit has shown me that I don't have that servant's heart. You know, beloved, it's so easy to become selfish and self-centered and self-focused. When our attention should be upon the Savior and upon others. The altar is open today. You'd like to come and pray. We would invite you to do so. If you be safe today, we'd love to help you to understand the gospel and place your faith in Christ. If you want to come and pray and maybe recommit yourself afresh and anew to be a servant for Jesus. To be a member of this church that builds up the body, that edifies one another. We would invite you to come. Now I've sung that song. You've heard how it goes. I'm going to ask you to take that hymn book. 613, we're going to stand and sing together. As we do the altars open, I'll be down here at the front. Would you stand and let's sing the servant's song. The altars open. You come.